Listening to your favorite podcast? That's smart. Earning your degree online from Southern New Hampshire University? That's really smart. With 24-7 access to coursework, no set class times, and dedicated student support, you can go to school when and where it works for you. Low online tuition means you can even do it for less. And dedicated student support means we'll be with you from day one to graduation and beyond. Join a community of learners just like you. Go to snhu.edu today to start your free application. The legends are true. Overwhelming power. sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of McDonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. All right, well, come on, everyone. Go ahead and get those speaker requests in, and as soon as we do, we'll get started. Good to see the news. It was already probable that Anthony Davis is going to return tonight. Chris Haynes put that out five minutes ago, and okay, we have some requests in. Uh, John, you are on the air whenever you're ready. There we go. Hi, gentlemen. Nice to talk to you. I just want to say I've been enjoying your product for quite a while, and you guys are a blast to listen to, and thank you for keeping it up over the last uh, two years during a very difficult time. Now, now, my random question uh, for you, uh, it's through the lens of a long-suffering Detroit Pistons fan. I know that there's a lot of interest in Matisse Thibel as a defensive stopper. And when I see him, I see a very limited player who is useful as like a defensive player on the wing, but doesn't offer much else. And a recent player on the Lakers just rose prominence in that role, Stanley Johnson, who I always thought was a decent defensive stopper, but couldn't do anything else. Do you see if there's a real difference between either one? It's just, is it that Matisse Thibel has had a chance to kind of show more on a good team that he can do that role and does that role have any value outside of a mini mid-level yeah so thigh ball i mean i think the number one difference is just that uh, while stanley johnson is a solid man-to-man defender i might actually like him a little bit better against power wings i thought he actually always guarded lebron reasonably well for example just because he's so strong thigh ball is an all-time player as far as being a defensive disruptor as being a blocks and steals guy now I do think Thibault might be a little bit overrated because the way that he gets his blocks and steals, a lot of them are kind of through gambles or being behind a guy. And those are are huge plays to to make, but he's also not necessarily executing the nuts and bolts of the system. just kind of normal rim protection sort of plays. And then he also is not, I don't think an unbelievable on ball defender. He's a little bit jumpy. He's not, he's solid, but he's not like unbelievable at getting through screens and so but Thibel certainly is a very good defensive player I think I didn't want him to be on all defense last year because you just didn't play enough minutes to me like if you're not a guy who's in the closing five I think it's kind of hard for you to make all defense but certainly he plays at an all defense sort of level but Danny my thought the big concern for either of those guys as I, I think it's been alluded to in this conversation is just that their offense is pretty bad for sure and with Thibel this year 29 percent on two and a half threes per game if you want to scale that out to 36 minutes that's three and a half which is not very many like the the volume is concerning just as the percentage is concerning and doesn't get to the line of course I mean doesn't have the ball in his hands that much and so you can play players who aren't reliable shooters and Thibel to his credit this year he's making twos at 70 percent you know so that 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 helps but he's also just an extremely low usage player he's a small part of the offense you can overcome that I would say generally to me you would only want one player who can do that and one question is is Thibel 
Bible so good defensively at a typically non-premium defensive size that you can have him be the exception. And on certain teams, the answer is yes. On certain teams, the answer is no, because there aren't that many fives that can space the floor and be good enough at the other stuff to be viable. What I think makes Thibel interesting in certain circumstances is we've seen this rising tide of players who can run an offense but are not point guard sized. And even in certain circumstances, the guys who are point guard sized, you don't want them defending other primary ball handlers because that's just too much work. I was thinking about this with John Morant, actually. I was working on a thing for a pod, for a pod that we're going to do. And in those circumstances, if, if for those who think that Thibault can do a really good job on ball, you know, like on those primary point of attack creators, then he has a value in that specific circumstance, but you're still trading that off with his limitations, which is a real challenge. Yeah, I think all, all those are very valid points. And I think really for most teams, if you're looking at it, the, especially if you're playing Embiid too, to have a guy who really doesn't offer anything else out there. It, Embiid himself is such a defensive player that Thibel, while he helps, I, what he could take away from you know a team just sagging into the paint just doesn't seem like it's it's viable and worthwhile. And I, I'm I'm really curious to see what happens in at least down the line how he's valued, uh, what GMs want to see with him because for for that role it kind of seems like it's a good piece to have off the bench, but not really the the main club in your rotation. Yeah, I think it's telling that now Embiid is maybe the worst guy that you would want to put with Thibel on the offensive end because he needs space to, to operate, except maybe Russell Westbrook, perhaps. But I still think that they're just, they have no threes and they're still not really playing him starter minutes. They'll start him some games, but they're just times where three-point shooting is regressed. Like there's a lot of hope early on in summer league and then his rookie year you know he might actually be a pretty decent three-point shooter and that just hasn't really developed his volume is low quick question nate what defensive role do you like thibel best and i think he's too small to guard the best wing score so i think of him more as a like a 2-1 defender or do you do you see it the same way or differently yeah, I mean, I, I like him in that kind of Robert Covington off-ball rover type. That works too, yeah. Um, and a, a team that played a lot of zone, I think he could be very effective Ooh. as he as he was, of course, in college. Yep. So I would like him better on a team that had more overall athleticism, was more running gun. He could get out and transition, get some dunks, and just so a little bit more chaos be part of a group that really was going to pressure the Sixers don't really have anyone else who can really pressure the ball when Simmons is back in some ways that makes Thibel I think better defensively because he can play that secondary role but then of course you have Simmons and Thibel together and you can't do anything on the offensive end so I like you, I'm very interested to see how the market ends up valuing him, what kind of an extension. I just don't, it's just hard to pencil him in to a role as a starter without him getting better offensively. Yeah, and, and that's why I was just thinking the mini mid-level of like, he's a guy who's like decent to spend some money on, but like who's going to really compete for it or fight for it? And I've not seen anything that shows upside. So thank you guys for answering my question. And I just want to say also, Nate, thank you for saying nice things about Cade because uh, at least someone else <laughs> is watching Detroit basketball. Yeah, no, I've, I said it on, on the, dunked on prime yesterday that i think kate i i feel very confident watching in the past month or so that he's gonna be if not a perennial superstar a, a perennial all-star i think he's looking really really good so far and also thanks for the kind words about the pod uh, as well thanks again to john let's move on to cody cody you're on the air hey guys this might be a bit of a untimely question as in referring to something you did a couple weeks ago um on the pod where you broke down the best passers in the league i was kind of wondering if you had to compare elite passers from an earlier era 
era? Like, where would they rank among current great passers? And they, the question's kind of, has the game evolved to a place where, you know, the, what's required to be a great passer in this game, it's 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 greater than what used to be? Or have we lost some art by when there wasn't the pace and space game and it was more controlled by by one player and their creativity? Like, you know, which, how do you view it? Are, are, the, are the current players doing more and at a higher level? Or was there something bigger before? I think it's easier to be better now uh, just because of, as you mentioned, the pace and space era. And there are guys where now you can just give them the ball every time, run, spread, pick, and roll. They can make the decision and you can have a really good offense there. I think previously it was just so much harder to score in the half court. There was so much less spacing. Here, I'm going to mute you real quick. Uh, just we're getting a little feedback. There's so much less spacing. And, it, you know, you took someone like magic johnson who could just be unbelievable or oscar robertson or tiny archibald they're really if you go back through the first you know up until maybe 1985 you just didn't have these guys who were just controlling everything from the point guard position and then then you started to get john stockton where they ran everything through him mark jackson some of these guys where there was very high offensive efficiency teams were pushing the pace more uh, those guys would get a lot of assists and then it dropped off again a little bit. You didn't have some of these great point guards uh, as much as you got into the late 90s. They couldn't put up those same crazy numbers in terms of assists per game. But I think now it's both that guys have do have a higher skill level. Like if you just see everybody can throw left and right-handed passes to anywhere on the court. Now, not everybody, but all, all the best point guards can do that. They practice it, right? Back in the day, before John Stockton and Magic, it was like, well, don't throw one-handed passes. That's not good fundamentals. You know, it's that, that sort of thing. And then now there's just so many guys you can do that, like Ja and Luca and Trey and LeBron and all these guys that we mentioned, LaMelo, Harden, who are just ha- both have the space but also just have been kind of training for this uh, since birth in a way that a lot of guys weren't. And maybe Nash was really the first spread pick and roll maestro. So I would say it's easier, but also that there are more great passers in the league now than there have ever been. That would be, I think, the best response I could have. Is that that, the answer you're looking for there, Cody? Yeah, definitely. I just wanted to hear, you know, you guys broke down what what makes a great passer today. And and I really thought that the answer kind of, there was a clue to the answer in that Rondo's still in the game, right? And and he was an elite passer from a different era and he was sort of an afterthought in your in your discussion. So I think that in some ways things have moved past the earlier well, versions of the game. That's true, but also this iteration of Rondo is so limited as a creator that it actually limits his capacity as a passer because he just doesn't have the same opportunities available to him that somebody like John Morant, let's say, or his own teammate Darius Garland, who's more of a threat with the ball in their hands, creates. And and Nate and I had a discussion in that pod about the difference between kind of like passing value versus passing ability. And so I think Rondo, in terms of passing ability, is pretty high on the list, but in terms of passing value is much lower, which is why we spent less time, just as a clarification. Yeah, yeah that, that's a great point. Yeah, it's a great point, Danny, that uh, you're, you can just get more out of the same passing ability if you're also a great scorer, right? And Rondo, I think, is a great example. Ben Taylor coined the term the Rondo assist. This is even back in Rondo's supposed heyday where, all right, if you're just dribbling the ball up top and then someone comes off a screen and you throw it to him, yeah, that has some value. And every once in a while, you're going to pass guys open from that position. But there's only so much value that you can add if you're not drawing a second defender into the action. And so what's really so amazing now is the combination of guys who can both score and pass and open up their passing even more through their scoring. And of course, again, we note that 
it's just easier to do that now with the additional spacing that we have uh, within the three-point arrow. Thanks to Cody. Let's move on to Davis. You're on the air. Hey, guys. Uh, thanks for taking, uh, I guess, my call, uh, my space request. <laughs> uh, but, yeah. Uh, no, no. It's not It's not a call. It can, it, okay. No, actually, it is a call. It's not. <laughs> that That's essentially what it is. No, this is new. This is not This is not sports radio. This is something totally different than sports radio. 2022, fellas. It's the future. Um, <laughs> but, uh, my question, and I guess a kind of a twofold question. I'm a mass fan, and um, you know, watching this discussion over, and and I haven't caught your pod today, so uh, regarding passing, but I was actually my question related to that is, who do y'all uh, think? I don't know. If this is too much reiteration, but uh, who do y'all think is the most impactful uh, passer in the league? Uh, in my opinion, it's between and Jokic. Um, but I think for weeks and even moving it back into last year and the year before, Luca has just been incredible in terms of his ability to find players on the wing and obviously Jokic just too. Um, and then secondary to that is, uh, what do you guys see in a, as a number one option in a playoff former? Do you guys value ability to create, um, if, you know, being able to compete up on the end of the floor? Um, when I think of, you know, great playoff players, you know, LeBron, I'm thinking size. Um, and it's just harder in my mind for smaller guards to compete. You have, you know, Nash is a great playoff former, CP3 is as well. Uh, but you see a lot of other smaller guards that are normally, really good struggle and do you guys see that struggle for John Moran going forward or do you think he's just um, you know so good that he'll overcome his size limitations uh, when the defense gets uh, more feisty um, I'll start with the the second component of that question and I've used the term undeniability before and I think that's a good sh- kind of shorthand for what I'm really looking for which is somebody who what they do well is difficult if not impossible to counter even with superior personnel and so like Kawhi Leonard at his best of course LeBron James and Kevin Durant like where you you can't really handle those guys one-on-one and once you bring multiple players in then that opens up different avenues for for teams to attack and it takes a truly special player physically and skill wise to be that kind of an advantage maker and to do that even when you call it to the four best teams in the league that they can still do the things that they do well. And there are lots of players who like that. I mean, Jokic offensively, to give him immense credit, like he, to me, he has established that as well. And ideally, yes, a player would do that on both ends or would at least contribute on the end where they are less potent. But that is a, it's a basic groundwork. And the fact of the matter is it's a lot harder for smaller guys to do that because they don't, if you, if you send extra people, they don't necessarily have all the, the size to see all the passing angles and everything else. So it's not impossible, but it is very difficult. I mean, Steph Curry, was the best player on a championship team. It's just that it has been more the exception rather than the rule, even over the last 20 years when life has gotten easier for smaller. Yeah, I I think you said it pretty well, Danny, just the ability to just beat anybody, score on anybody one-on-one. Yeah, doing it out of pick and roll is nice, but there are ways to deal with that. You can take the ball out of of the guy's hands by double teaming, or you can switch if you have a good switch system. Maybe you have a great on-ball defender who can get over screens incredibly well. So there are ways potentially to deal with that. Maybe you have great help defenders on the wings who can get out to shooters pretty well. If you have a guy who can just score one-on-one against anybody and can also pass at a reasonable ability 
I think that's number one, and generally that player. I will, um, I'll take a beat though. Uh, on the first part, Nate and I had this discussion. I won't remember all of it. That was a pod that was, I think, two, three weeks ago. We were talking about Chris Paul. I, I had him, I think, higher on my list, but Jokic and Luka are still still really there. All right, let me, I'll, let me try and pick up where I was. If you have a guy who can score on anybody and also can pass well enough, that's the hardest thing to deal with. And generally that player is going to have to be wing size and have a certain amount of athleticism to truly be unstoppable because you can always put a great long defender on a smaller guy you know, even someone like John Morant it's just it's just harder to get your shot off with the jump shot and then the guy can play off you and it's also harder to drive and they're just now a lot of times teams aren't going to have a wing defender who can deal with someone like that and could switch onto him and pick and roll will work and so it's not like it's just easier to stop smaller guys but you're saying give me the number one guy I want someone who can beat anybody in an isolation and also can pass and that's just the hardest thing to deal with and even there are very few guys who can literally beat anybody in an isolation all the time over and over again you got to find a way to get guys either easier shots but that's what screens are are for and all that but yeah at the end of games in playoff series the end of playoff series when everyone knows what everybody is running having that guy is the thing that is most difficult to deal with for the defense i would say okay Man, it is crazy to think that I've been working with Helix Sleep since 2015. And I think that's because my story with them seems to really resonate with listeners. If you've never heard it before, that was kind of the beginning of the direct-to-consumer boom. And there was another very prominent mattress company at that time that was trying to convince you that mattresses were one-size-fits-all. They found the one formula, the one mattress that was going to work for everyone. My then-girlfriend, now-wife, and I ordered that mattress, we ended up having to return it because, hey, guess what? Not everyone is the same. And then she did some more research and found Helix Sleep. We took their sleep quiz and we found a mattress that actually worked for us and our body types. And uh, Helix offers 20 unique mattresses. Everybody sleeps differently. And Helix mattresses are designed for specific sleep positions and field preferences, hot or cold, side sleeper, back sleeper. So take that Helix sleep quiz, find your perfect mattress in under two minutes. And it's shipped straight to your door, free of charge. It's no risk because you really need to sleep on the mattress in your own home. You're like, well, how should I order this if I can't sleep? I'm like, yeah, you're not going to learn anything by going to the mattress store and sleeping on the mattress where do I take my shoes off? Do I leave my shoes on? But then my feet kind of hang off the bed because I don't want to put my shoes on the bed. And is it weird that I'm laying here for more than 30 seconds? You can't tell anything under those circumstances. You might as well just order it, get it sent to your house get that 100 night trial they're 10 to 15 year warranty depending on the model and there's never been a better time to try a helix sleep mattress because they are offering 20 percent off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners at helixsleep.com slash capspace easier slash capspace we talk about all the time here on the program that's helixsleep.com slash capspace this is their best offer yet i can attest to that since i've been working with them for nine years and it won't last long with helix better sleep starts now don't forget that slash capspace url to let them know that you came from us man i just love american giant just an amazing clothing company i was reminded again of how much i love it when i drove from california to montana over the all-star break and you know what it's like when you're on a long road trip and it's cold particularly when it starts off warm in the bay and then we get into some really cold areas you're like well i don't want to wear like my jacket in the car but then i get out to fill gas 
I'm going to be freezing. But the American Giant hoodie was perfect because despite being made out of a nice heavy material that'll keep you warm, it's not too hot as well. So I was able to wear it in the car, not be too hot, step out of the car and still be warm enough when I was filling up gas or going into a restaurant or something that I didn't feel like I needed my jacket, even when it was cold outside. These things are amazingly durable. I proposed to my wife wearing an American Giant hoodie in the Grand Canyon almost seven years ago. I still own that same hoodie. I still wear it constantly. And American Giant has since spread out into all sorts uh, of other types of clothing like their premium slub crew tee the no bs high-rise pant the slim roughneck pant featured in giant magazine issue two every american giant piece is made in america and designed to last no exceptions and it provides year-round comfort so find a closet staple for every part of your spring days at american-giant.com and get 20 percent off your first order when you use that finger code capspace at checkout please remember we talk about capspace all the time here on the program that's 20 percent off your first order at american-giant.com don't forget that cap space code to let them know you came from us let's get to um egg d you ben are you ready whenever you um whenever you want to go um good morning you guys i mean i don't know what time it is over there it's morning in australia um, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> i just wanted to talk to you guys about the golden state warriors um they have a wealth of assets and winning a championship in the NBA is incredibly difficult. Um, Stephen Curry is having a down season and they have the chance to kind of ascend themselves to being one of the historic teams of this you know what? In league history, right? They win another title. This is enormous. However, they're holding on to assets and about $19 million worth of matching salary. I don't know if it's just me, but it seems kind of arrogant that they're not looking to trade this to make their team as good as possible, considering that they're not even like drop dead favorites at this point, considering Steph Curry's play recently. I don't know. Is that just me? Yeah, that's interesting. I, I think you're not going to get a player who's better than Steph Curry. Yeah, I understand that. But um, they could certainly get a fifth starter who's going to be elite with... Well, I, I know you guys don't value Wiseman, but I do believe there are some teams that would. And, do, um, do you think, do you think uh, there's a team that would give up an elite player for Wiseman? I, I'm not no, no, no. Not, for, not just for Wiseman, but you give them Kaminga, Moody, Wiseman, maybe Kevon Looney to get up to a matching salary. Uh, they have some first-round picks soon. Do you not think that they could get another starter for that package? Yeah, you know, who is that... Who is available, you know, actually reported to be available on the trade market that you think would be that much of an upgrade for them? Because that's where I keep running into a wall. I, I agree with you. I, I'm not, they should go for it right now. This is a chance to potentially make this era even more ridiculous for sure um but i think that there there just isn't anyone available like i don't i don't think you know jeremy grant is changing their destiny as a team uh i don't either but uh yeah this is kind of why i'm asking you guys the question is because i did some research on my own i guess you sure. could go with miles turner but we all know that Draymond green's the center cup of time so i yeah. actually asked this question because i wasn't too sure and i thought that there were maybe some machinations i hadn't thought of yet that you guys might have in mind well i think the other problem there is simply that you if you're trying to get guys who have not been reported as available that then you really have to bowl the team over and the other problem is that they value james wiseman i'm sure much higher than basically anyone else in the league would and so they're not going to want to just give him up so that they can have some matching salary i think andrew wiggins to me is played about as well as anyone else that they could realistically acquire 
in that three and D type of role. And he would have to be matching salary if you're not going to use Wiseman. And so I just, they're, they are one of the deepest teams, honestly, that I can ever remember other than maybe having an elite big man. And as you mentioned, Draymond is going to be the center at the end. Now I will say this, if Draymond Green is running into some issues and he's not going to be able to play at the same level this year, then I do think they should try to find as best they could a potential replacement for him. Not that that's particularly easy to do either, but I I think they just, they have a good enough team here and you just got to hope that Steph Curry is going to shoot himself out of what is the worst slump uh, of his career. Maybe that's, this is the new normal for him. I certainly hope not. Uh, And they also, the other thing too is Clay Thompson. They think that he can come back. He's looked good physically, obviously hasn't shot well yet. Uh, they got to reintegrate him. So I think they're just, there's so much uncertainty that they're just not going to want to make a, a big move, particularly when it was it's sacrificing the future that they are such big believers in for what I think in the end would be an incremental upgrade, right? If, if uh, Bradley Beal is available, you know, okay, then I think I, I would start to think about it. But unless it's a guy on that level, I think they're deep enough at pretty much all these positions that it doesn't make sense to give up a, a big asset going forward here. Yeah, that's the, uh, that's kind of the conclusion I arrived to. I'm not 100% sure what Miles Turner's salary is, but if Draymond Green's. It's, it's 18 million. Physically, pardon? 18 million. Okay, so they could do Miles Turner if they if they see that. Um, we're not sure, if, of course, if Indiana would even take that based on their history of just trying to. <laughs> I, I gotta be honest, they're stagnant and it's frustrating to watch as an NBA fan, um, but they probably wouldn't take a young asset for this player. Uh, Miles Turner, other than that, yeah, I also had nothing. Well, and it's like. like oh, OG and Anobi would be an interesting player, but I, again, I don't think the Raptors are are particularly invested to move him in a different world. Maybe they would have been, but also you're looking for something very specific, as Nate was getting into. So it is a real challenge. Um, but let's get to Mick. Mick, you're on the air. Hi. Um, I wanted to revisit. There was a conversation you guys had, and it was comparing Kawhi Leonard peak versus Chris Paul peak. And yeah, I was. I think at their absolute apex, sure, Kawhi is a better player, more valuable player. But when you actually go through like season by season, like it's it's really hard to say that Kawhi is in the same class. Like VORP, BPM, basically any statistics the most underrated player is just because he played on some absolutely terrible teams but when you look at his overall impact to the clippers to houston to phoenix like everywhere he goes those teams get better and he's adding wins and Kawhi, i mean honestly he's just he's done that on a couple teams but he's just been injured too much and it's hard to have like a peak when a peak is really like two seasons i feel like um that doesn't really compute to me but i just wanted to hear more about that um and what you think of chris paul really Sure. I mean, I love Chris Paul. I mean, I think for those who've listened to Dunked On for a while, like the the underrating of Chris Paul is not something that I think either of us has done much. But I, I mean, I will put myself probably stronger on that list. It's it's a it's a difference in terms of like the measures that you were using. I don't think are adequate measures for what the question is asking because it's the idea of how much do they add to your championship equity. And Chris Paul is a phenomenal one of the best floor raisers in modern in of modern times. He can make because it's not only making a team like a playoff team he can make them he can make them a good playoff team and he's capable enough defensively that it's not just you know, making these big men, you know, like Bismack Biombo or various players over the years, a bunch of money. It's uh, probably DeAndre Ayton very soon. It's making them a viable offense and everything else. But what Kawhi Leonard has done and what he is 
still theoretically capable of doing if he makes a full recovery that Chris Paul has not done is be the best player on a championship team. So if you care more about getting into the playoffs, about being a very good team, durability and all of that, Chris Paul is a superior option. And I, I don't think I'm not going to argue that even if I said, you know, I but if if the goal is to win a championship and that is only one goal, I think that sometimes the banners fly forever is overstated. I think Kawhi Leonard gives you a better chance of that of course, and he gives you a better chance of that just because it's hard. you have to pair Chris Paul with a really damn good player to get there, and Chris Paul has played with some really good players and hasn't gotten there even if the Rockets could have and unfortunately did not. Yeah, for me, I, I agree in terms of career value. It's not even close right now. Uh, peak, you might say, hey, there's got to be X number of seasons. I've seen enough seasons of Kawhi Leonard's peak to say, you know, this guy was better at his best than Chris Paul, right? I think there are a couple of seasons where I would have ranked Kawhi Leonard as a top three player and maybe even after the 2019 a top one player in the NBA whereas Chris Paul probably isn't higher than I would say third in a particular year maybe 2008 he's at that level maybe in 2014 although he he was kind of not that great of a number three there wasn't really a great number three that year and you know since then I think he's been he's had a very long career way longer than anyone could have reasonably expected to still be a top 15 top 20 type of player in the league but to me I think Kawhi's peak 2016 2017 obviously didn't play 18 19 uh and then 21 before he hurt himself I think he he reached a level and reached a level more importantly in the playoffs during those seasons now granted wasn't able to complete two of those seasons so I get your point there but in terms of just the level that he was playing at I think it's it's clearly higher than Chris Paul let's get to Ahima I apologize if I mispronounced your name um perfect pronunciation simple question Question. If both of them are 100% healthy, who is more important to the Warriors, Draymond Green or Clay Thompson? I think it's... I agree. I think Draymond Green at and, this point. I, I think there is there was a time maybe when you could have said Clay in certain years potentially, but I think Clay they've they've finally because part of the reason was the way that they were built. They just had so little shooting other than Clay and Steph in some of these years that if you didn't have both of them, the whole system really kind of broke down on the offensive end. Whereas I think, you know, they they could still be a pretty decent defense with all the other guys they had, like Iguodala and Bogut's or KD, for example, at that time. But now, though, they really are built more as an offensive team. They've got guys like Jordan Poole. They've got Damian Lee. They've got Otto Porter, guys who can shoot the three pretty well. They, those guys are not Cle- peak Clay Thompson, obviously. But Draymond is the guy who they just don't have an analog for on either end. And so I would say at this point in time, it's Draymond. I would agree. You went through almost exactly the rationale that I did. And the other huge element here with Clay that isn't as present as before is that we don't know how capably he can guard point guards. And that was a big part of what made the Warriors defensive system. They switched a fair amount, but having him in the base alignments against some of the other team's most dangerous players made life easier on Steph Curry. It made the defensive ecosystem work. And if Clay is more of a two, three defender and his help capacity, it seems like he's doing more there that like he can be a valuable defender. It's just a different player. And then the Warriors need that from somebody else, which is a potential challenge. Yeah, thank you very much. I completely agree with both of you. I, I don't think it's that close anymore, um, especially with the fact that Draymond can like defend multiple positions and he helps us like that point guard um, on the court. But yeah, thank you guys very much.
Yeah, and obviously Clay's coming back from two career-altering injuries. So even if he's healthy, that doesn't necessarily mean that he is at the exact same level that he was before those injuries, which should be considered as well. And, and I mean, frankly, right now, Clay is probably hurting them with the amount that he's shooting and, and not making it. Uh, but hopefully that will change. Let's go Who's to next here, Alfonso. Danny? You are on the air. Hey, guys. Big fan. Um, was wondering about the Heat. Um, I know you all talked about them on the pod a bit. Um, they've been winning a lot lately, but with a lineup that kind of goes basically 12 deep. You know, they're playing like Yurtsevin, Caleb Martin, Gabe Vincent with guys out. Now that the lineup's getting pretty healthy, I know we saw Depot and shoot around a little bit um, today, um, kind of getting ready to come back. Maybe we see Markeith Morris come back. They kind of have a log jam. Um, and, you know, I guess you could say too much depth isn't a bad thing. But I'm curious, you know, as they kind of near the deadline, do you see them consolidating these pieces? I don't think they consolidate just yet. I think it's a good thought. But the challenge for them is what are you going to do with them from a couple of different perspectives? And one of the big ones is salary matching. So, okay, Max Struess and Caleb Martin are overperforming your expectations for them. Those guys have been really good this year. It's extremely hard to convert a low-cost player into somebody else who can help you because you don't have enough matching salary. And unfortunately for Miami, and you could say this is unfortunate or fortunate, their best players are playing well enough that you don't want to include that. They don't really have filler salary this year. So my inclination is that you spend this year figuring out who can stick, who doesn't, who can play in the play and having multiple options at some of these roles. And then should this season go really well, then in 2022, more June, July time, not now, then maybe you start to make an adjustment. Like if Struess is so good that you feel Duncan Robinson is superfluous, then maybe you move Duncan Robinson and find somebody who occupies a different niche or something else, or you could think about it with different players. But it's actually really hard to make those kinds of moves in season, and it's even harder to make those moves with players that aren't making much money you can't really consolidate because you're not consolidating into salary yeah and i also don't i don't think they're like that crazy deep right i mean they got the starting five hero Struess and Deadman. I mean, that to me, I, I'm not sure that either Vincent or Oladipo is going to be in their playoff rotation. We'll see how Oladipo looks. Vincent has been really good. I mean, so has Yurtsevin, but I think those guys have some weaknesses in the playoffs. We just haven't seen them in there in that environment. So I wouldn't necessarily be counting on those guys for the playoff rotation. So I think they have a solid eight man ish rotation which they deserve a ton of credit for morris is not someone that i'm really counting on at that point either in the playoffs you know he's was available for the minimum for a reason and, and has had some health issues and his shooting kind of waxes and wanes. Caleb Martin is another guy who you know, plays really hard and has been a great fill-in for Butler, but also has some weaknesses in the playoffs. So I'm not sure that, I think they are an extremely deep regular season team, which is amazing because that was supposed to be their big issue coming into the season. They deserve a ton of credit as always as an organization for developing these guys, but I'm still not sure that I'm ready to count on anybody above that top eight or so in the playoffs i'll try them be good to have you know even Struce is unproven for that matter so uh i think that i'm uh i don't think they have like so much depth that it's just it's like coming out their ears from a playoff perspective and then i'll echo what danny said about the idea of a consolidation trade and matching salary those are those really make things difficult the consolidation and i mean the only thing i really think they need right now where they can get someone who's going to be a huge upgrade would be at a backup four position and you know that's i don't think you'd want to give up any of these good young players for that 
Was was there anyone you had in mind that they should be no, targeting? Not really. Um, I'm kind of of the same mind that they're not really needing to make a move, and if they do, they'd have to get rid of Duncan probably, and that's probably not something they want to do anytime soon. Um, but it's just been, you know, if you get on Heat Twitter, that's kind of the talk. So I was curious of your thoughts on that. Thanks for answering my Anyone who's seen our YouTube videos knows that I don't wear formal stuff all the time. So when it's time to dress up rather than dress down, I highly recommend Inochino. They were the official outfitter of my wedding. I got my tux from there. All my groomsmen got their sport jackets from there as well. I felt really good about having them be the outfitter of my wedding because all my groomsmen were going to get stuff that they could continue to wear that fit them perfectly. Because when you go somewhere else, you're not going to get something that's made for you. So why not measure yourself in 10 minutes or visit a showroom rather than feeling like you're wearing somebody else's suit that they tried and failed to tailor for you. And not only does Indochino have the suits that made them famous, but now they've got everything. Blazers, pants, women's wear, outerwear, designed and made for you. Hundreds of high quality fabrics to choose from. European wools, linen, cottons, tons of colors, tons of patterns you can customize. Things like the lapel, the vents, the pockets. And you'll get a piece that is personalized for you in fit and style. Level up your game with Indochino. Go to Indochino.com. Use the code CAPSPACE. Use the CAPSPACE. We talk about all the time here on the program. You get 10% off any purchase of $399 or more. That's 10% off at Indochino. I-N-D-O-C-H-I-N-O. Indochino.com. And don't forget that CAPSPACE code to let them know that you came from us. Listening to your favorite podcast? That's smart. Earning your degree online from Southern New Hampshire University? That's really smart. With 24-7 access to coursework, no set class times, and dedicated student support, you can go to school when and where it works for you. Low online tuition means you can even do it for less. And dedicated student support means we'll be with you from day one to graduation and beyond. Join a community of learners just like you. Go to snhu.edu today to start your free application. Thanks for asking it, and we can move on to El Gordo. Gentlemen, it's not dunked on live if I don't stumble in with a five-part Mavericks-related question. There we go. So, initially, I was going to ask you guys about the Mavs defense and whether you credited Jason Kidd or Maxi Kleber and Porzingis getting a lateral movement back or maybe just some shooting luck um, from opponents from deep. But I think the better question is, if the Mavs can have a period of sustained shooting from three where they shoot closer to what the percentage is we, we expected... Um, where would you rank the Mavs in the Western Conference if they continue to play this level of defense and start actually hitting open shots? And then B, I have not given up the Spencer Dinwiddie dream. Yes. Is Jocelyn and Dwight Powell enough to secure Spencer Dinwiddie? Please say yes. Make this happen, guys. What, what was it? Uh, uh, Dinwiddie and who? Or I'm sorry, Powell and who? Josh Green Josh Green and Dwight Powell. Uh, I think they might have to throw a little more salary in. Although Dinwiddie, yeah, maybe that, that works. Uh, if you checked it already, then, then forgive me. But... Uh, no, nah, I don't think so. I think Washington would be looking for more than that. I know there's been this, I think, I want to say it was Jake Fisher who reported today that that hasn't been deemed to be the best fit between Dinwiddie and Beal and they might be looking to move Dinwiddie. Uh, but yeah, I mean, as Dinwiddie, you know, you know what yeah. the Wizards aren't looking for another center. <laughs> yeah, that's probably true. Particularly not one who's probably would be a negative salary for next year. Now, I think the Mavs would probably have to throw something in there. I, I just don't know what Washington thinks about Dinwiddie at this point. Um, maybe there'd be an appeal. Now, maybe you would say, hey, they get Dinwiddie, and then they could also trade Jalen Brunson. I think if you were going to move Brunson, then maybe you would have to have a backup plan, and maybe the the, the Dinwiddie appeal 
is that it, he would be a replacement for Brunson potentially. Yes. Now we're talking. That's what I wanted you guys to say. But continue, please. Um, so yeah, I, I you know, as far as where the Mavs would be, I could put them I would put them below Phoenix and below Golden State if healthy for sure. But I could see them competing with Utah or Memphis very easily. I, I do think that their defense won't travel quite as well in the playoffs with the Porzingis doesn't have a lot of defensive versatility and yeah the it has partially been some shooting luck as well. I mean, I do love Kleba as a defensive player. Luca's been better lately since he came back from the ankle issue and the protocols. And so I, I do, I think playing Tim Hardaway Jr. less has helped their defense but i'm uh you know the them going against the jazz i mean would be a crazy series and again you, your caveat that they actually start making shots you know they they haven't made shots for like a year and a half now for whatever reason that is and i think part of why they're better defensively is they're not playing hardaway he's probably the best chance of improving as a three-point shooter they're starting brunson i guess porzingis would be your hope that he could shoot the ball better that that could be big so i i, I mean i would love to see dallas utah dallas memphis memphis utah Utah, like those would all be some amazing series uh, and I, I think I would really struggle to pick uh, I think it would come down to health a lot of who I would pick in those series but I do still see the Warriors and Phoenix as a cut above the rest of the conference at the moment I agree with that but I'll throw in if Denver can get any semblance of full strength they would be another nasty team to throw into this mix um, we'll have to we'll have to see if that is potentially the case let's go to David David draw on the air Hello. Uh, what value would you assign to Wiggins' production for this year? And how about a Watfo on his next contract being over a hundred million? Yeah. So I think probably- over a hundred million, huh? So that's basically four years, twenty-five million a year. Yeah. I mean, I think so. He's got what one more year after this one? He does. <sighs> hmm. Yeah, I think that's, I'd probably put it like 45%. You know, let's see how the rest of this year plays out, how he plays in the playoffs. You know, we haven't seen him actually play in the playoffs other than one year with the Wolves at this point. And then he could would obviously be extension eligible with the Warriors at that point also. And the cap will be going up pretty significantly in the middle part of this decade. And this, I think, you know, if you, if I would say, you know, his con, he's the way he's played has been over a $20 million a year player this year, you know, probably in the 21, 22 range. So if you want to bump that up based on the rising cap and just overall inflation with there being few free agents, that's, I'd put that right around, you know, maybe call it 45% chance of him making over a hundred million dollars guaranteed on his next contract. I'll, I'll focus more on the second part. I think Nate did a, a, on the sorry on the first part because Nate did such a good job answering the second part and with Wiggins I think the offensive part of it he's been to me much more efficient I did a little bit of digging on this in a recent 15 and 60 he's been much more efficient as a complimentary player just like most guys are you know when it's been Wiggins trying to create offense when he's been higher in the pecking order of guys that are on the floor at that time things haven't gone as well both individually and for the team and so that to me that makes him less valuable offensively it may and that's okay like you know you don't need him to be that guy if he's that guy it's a problem and then defensively i think he's been a solid cog in the machine uh, but i wouldn't say that wiggins is like the reason the warriors have the number one defense so how valuable is a wing who is doing a very good job in the role that they are asking of him which is a less ambitious role than he has had early in his career i mean i think that's a 20 to 30 million dollar player as crazy as it sounds like there aren't that many guys his size that can do it and that's why you see players who are capable and six foot seven or so get paid thank you 
Yeah. Yeah. What's your, what's your thought, David? You, you got an opinion on this one? Uh, so I'm thinking about it from a few perspectives. For one, as it pertains to the Warriors, is he in their long-term plans or do they have hopes for Kaminga to supplant him um, if and when he gets to, to that level? And if not in the Warriors environment, which appears to be a perfect environment, as uh, Danny was explaining in terms of him being, him being able to excel in a role that, that really um, suits what he can contribute, how interested would a non-Warriors team be in yeah, I, you know, I think, for example, there are teams like the Memphis Grizzlies, for example, right? Like, I think Andrew Wiggins would be a very nice fit for them to just give him a, a wing defender who can also shoot the ball reasonably well, create a little bit, get out on the fast break. There are just so many teams that don't have anybody at that position at all. And I think he's proven that he can play a role, that he can shoot it reasonably well from the outside and defend that position. I agree. He wouldn't, it's kind of interesting. He, he's been on bad teams teams for so long i don't think he would make sense on a bad team i think it's a team that's young you know or uh how about the caps he would be a perfect fit with the cleveland cavaliers for example where hey maybe they're overpaying but you can't find these guys at that position and i mean let's compare for example where jeremy grant was as a player when he got the contract he did and now where andrew wiggins is right now we, we jeremy grant has grown as an offensive player but he's still got 20 million a year and I think Wiggins, you know, he's getting all-star talk right now. I don't think that'll die down still. But Wiggins is playing much better this year than Jeremy Grant did the year that he got $20 million a year. So I think it's just there's so much demand for a, a player who at that position. And there are so many teams that just don't have that guy that, you know, the Knicks could desperately use someone there are just so many teams that don't even have even anyone even remotely resembling a three-man so i i think it, he would probably be pretty in demand and he also the other great thing about him too is he never gets hurt that's the other thing that is really uh, where you feel decent about him in free agency all right this will be our last one here let's bring in map hey guys question for you about uh MVP. it seems like it's just a silly narrative award every year uh, and it doesn't seem like it's very consistent and, who wins? Um, how do you guys kind of balance how much you contribute towards your team winning versus your, your raw production and talent? And I guess this is kind of a critical question. Well, so what I think is interesting is there has been a lot of retroactive hand-wringing about various MVPs over the years. Like, this has happened with Russell Westbrook as well. I can't think of the last time I picked somebody as the deserving most valuable player who did not win the award. Now, there have, and I don't have a vote. I mean, I maybe influence a few people who do. I don't know if that's the case. Um, there are, obviously, there are times that lower on the ballot I have disagreements, but the it, it would be it would be different for there to be a circumstance and now Nate and I didn't have a pod I wasn't following the league as intently with some of like the Shaq and Steve Nash and some of the other ones over the years but in the modern vintage it has like it has gone that way and it is important to remember that MVP is not best player it is not most outstanding player it is the player who provided the most value to their team over that 82 game stretch and it is possible to get that wrong it has happened over time but it's not the same thing as best player and so Russell Westbrook can win it and deserve it one year and then be shaky later
later on after that. And, you know, there are various examples of that over, over the course of time. So I, I I don't buy the the idea that the MVP is going to undeserving players. Yeah, and I would say to me, my criteria is which player provided the most value to help his team win basketball games in that regular season that that's the, my definition of the award and maybe if the if it's just so close you're splitting hairs i might just pick the player that i think is a better player but i i think maybe the the greater disconnect here is just that the regular season and the postseason are just so much more removed from each other than perhaps they once were that and guys miss so many more games now too it's not normal that guys are just going to play 80 games you're going to have five candidates who played over 75 games that are available so a lot of times you're it's kind of a contest to who stayed healthiest and played 10 or 15 more games you kind of have to give value to that like last year for example is a perfect example right like Jokic was the only one of these guys who ended up staying healthy enough in the end and so that's he was an obvious pick just for that reason and so I think you end up because the regular season is so different there's just a much greater disconnect now between who I would rank as the best players in the NBA versus who's the MVP in a given year and I think that's kind of what causes some of the angst more so than I think that it's a narrative driven type of thing I think really the last time I would go back to saying that a narrative did you uh think Jokic was the MVP in that Phoenix series against Chris Paul well it's not that's not what the award is giving right right exactly I mean that was and that's when I did when I did my player rankings I ranked Jokic you know in like the eight or nine range of just because of those defensive limitations in the playoffs but it's a regular season award so that's that's the award they give us and that's the one we have to do if you want me to say who's the best player in basketball no, that's fine. you know that's fine I, yeah. I, i'm i'm just curious because like if you think if it comes down to like when it comes down to winning time right like right now who, who would you rather have chris paul or Jokic? you got two minutes left and it's winning well, trying to win a game trying to trying to help your team i mean yeah i mean that but that's mean? that's just a, it's i mean that's part of it and but i and, and and the other thing too is like okay who would you rather have like you know that's that's a going forward that's again not the question we're asking we're asking who gave the most value and, and i do put a value on clutch performance in fact that was the biggest reason why i selected russell westbrook in 2017 because he had an unbelievable clutch season season and so that provided value to win basketball games on the court for the thunder in looking back into the past it is a looking back into the past award not necessarily well, going and, forward and let me add let me add one more thing nate and i rank the top 10 players in the league as well so we this is something that while the collective that votes for mvp does not do that as far as i know the we between at least for the two of us we have both of these that i think can be now is there a third thing that we could do theoretically sure i mean there are lots of ways to order ranked tier players but the i the idea that i i think those two cover a lot of bases okay no thanks I, I mean if you were to look back on this season i think you guys both have Jokic over chris paul right now and i, I would say chris paul's got what nine losses all, all the other guys have 19 losses right i mean losses are not an individual stat just like net rating and offensive yeah. Yeah, look, at, look at what chris paul has done in winning time look at his look at all of his points and your shooting look at look at what he's done to help the sun yeah well i mean i think i think the difference is that uh if you're gonna give i'm giving deandre ayton and mikhail bridges and devin booker and jay crowder and the great bench that they have i'm giving those guys
guys a lot of the credit for that performance uh, as well not necessarily the individual brilliance of Chris Paul but I think I think we're getting a little far afield as far as just this uh, this particular question you know as, as what our criteria for MVP are but yeah I mean I think most people would probably agree that that Chris Paul is on the fringes of the MVP conversation and you do also have to do something more than just be really awesome in those two minutes which he is but if you any statistical argument for Chris Paul you you got to be able to make both that and the clutch argument and the team argument and all that stuff but uh sorry that we had to cut this short it was an interesting conversation there and we got to get to warriors mavs that'll be a lot of fun and we will talk to y'all tomorrow john and i at 2 eastern 11 pacific and then danny and i of course at 6 eastern 3 pacific our normal time next tuesday till then the legends are true overwhelming power sauce of destiny yes the most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of McDonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! I participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last.